This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomoto, NPR. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Hello and welcome to Amazing Grace. For another week, we pray you will be blessed. My name's Lynette and I'm joined by my husband, Dennis. Here at Amazing Grace, we want to hear from you. We also have some free giveaways. The um, book, Steps to Christ. And if you check out the local takeaways, you will be able to, to get a free copy of the magazine, Signs, of the times or signs yep just signs i think it's called um now and so this has articles on health and family and issues we face in life today and that's in the local takeaways here in the manawatu and we would um, be happy to pray for you or a friend or family member on or off ear you can contact us either by email and that is Info at mpr.nz, info at mpr.nz, or text on 022-6815216. So I'm just going to start with a short devotional and then we'll have a prayer. Been really um, looking closely at Psalms 27 lately. And I'm just going to read some thoughts from a um, from the Bible first, and we're going to have a look at Psalms 27, verse four to six. And this um, these thoughts are from Timothy Keller in the in the book Songs of Jesus. And here we go with Psalms 27, verse four. One thing I desire. Of the Lord, one thing I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me upon Set me high, high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. And just a thought there, I was actually reading that verse this morning when a tui came and sat in our gum tree and I was pretty convinced it was singing a new song that I hadn't heard before. And I thought, 
Um, and I went back and read this this verse again. I will sing and make music to the Lord. And I thought the two is doing that too. The beauty of God. Is there certain music that gives you deep joy? Is there a certain kind of music or a certain um, track or artist that you love to listen to because it gives you deep joy? Or is there a view or a landscape that does the same? If someone says, what is the use of that? You answer that the music or landscape is not a means to some other end, but profoundly satisfying in itself. David's supreme priority in this psalm is to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. Verse 4, gazing is not a one-time glimpse, but a steady, sustained focus. It is not partitionary prayer, but praising, admiring, and enjoying God just for who he is. David finds God beautiful, not just useful for attaining goods. To sense God's beauty in the heart is to have such pleasure in him that you rest content. What does it mean when David finds God beautiful? I believe it's talking about when he's meditating on what God is like, what his character is like. And um, yes. And uh, so let's just have a prayer, short prayer now. Lord, it is no exaggeration to say that there is only one thing that we really need in life. And we ask for it now. It is to not merely believe in you, but in prayer and experience to see and sense your beauty. Let us love you for yourself alone. Amen. Now we're going to have a song, and it's called Turn Your Eyes, Turn Your Eyes on Jesus.
You're listening to Amazing Grace on Manawatu People's Radio. And for our health tip today, I'm going to be continuing with some thoughts from the book called Live More Happy by Dr. Darren Morton. And in the first chapter, he explained that in the spirit of simplicity, um, he has used the nickname Limbo for the part of our brain referred to as the limbic system and this contains several structures and um, the the, the limbo is an incredibly important part and we want to keep it in great working order. The limbo has a great influence over the rest of the brain and so the first the first chapter dealt with the um, the word that I can remember jumping out at me is your limbo is listening. So what we say to ourselves, what we say to others, our, our brain believes and acts upon it, affects our emotions. The second one, sorry, the first, so the first um, chapter, at the end he has an acronym at each chapter end and the word is smilers, and the S stood for speak positively. And we're up to um, the third chapter now, and motion creates emotion, move more dynamically. And we've been going through that, and today we're looking at mustering motivation. But... Even when we know that physical activity lifts our limbo, so the 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 third chapter is all about um, moving and exercise. So even when we know that physical activity lifts our limbo, lifts our emotions, we can still struggle to find motivation to do it. The problem with having to move is that we have to move to do it. <laughs> Most people already know that physical activity is good for them, yet we find it difficult to follow through and do it. As the saying goes, the world 
is full of people who know what to do, but who don't do what they know. For this reason, in my book, Live More Active, says Dr. Darren Moore, a book dedicated to helping people activate their life for good, half of the chapters are about discovering motivation. People often say they are too exhausted to do any physical activity. They get home at the end of the day and just want to collapse in a heap on the sofa. Running a bath is the only exercise they feel they have the energy for. If you work as a manual labourer, you are probably forgiven for feeling that way because you might have expended a lot of energy throughout the day. But it is my observation that manual labourers are often not the ones lazing about after work. It's more likely those who have sedentary occupations. So how do we muster the motivation to get mobile? As we now know from Chapter 1, the secret to becoming more motivated lies in switching on our limbo, as it is also our motivation centre. Current physical activity guidelines recommend that adults, both young and old, should be physically active for at least 30 minutes most days. This doesn't mean 30 minutes of exhausting and sweating exercise. The guidelines refer to 30 minutes of moderate intensity physical activity, which is what you would rate as a 3 to 4 out of a 10 in effort. This is not so hard. When performing moderate intensity physical activity, we notice we are breathing a little more than normal, but we can still hold a conversation. So that's a good guideline, isn't it? It's exercise where we can still hold a conversation, but we're actually moving moderately intense. Often when I give presentations, the doctor says, on becoming more physically active, and I share with the audience that they should aim for 30 minutes every day, I see some people adopt a facial expression that screams, are you kidding? 30 minutes? When I observe observe this, I change tack and instead say that they only need to do go for five minutes. When I see the relief on their faces, I conclude with, and if after the five minutes of being active, you feel like it, go for another 25 minutes. You've probably experienced it yourself. The hard part is getting started. Once we've started to move dynamically, the messages sent by our proprioceptors cause our limbo to get in the mood and make us feel more motivated. So if we find ourselves exhausted at the end of the day, but we haven't been expending much physical energy throughout it, there is a good chance that our limbo just needs a kickstart and we can simply and we can supply it by taking the first step. To borrow the famous slogan, just do it. Just do it. Simply put on your walking shoes and walk to the end of your street. You have my permission, he says, to reassess whether you want to continue from there. But I will almost guarantee that your limbo will have woken up by then. 
To get on a roll, we simply need to start rolling. Putting it into action. Sit up and stand up. Take note of your posture throughout the day. If you spend a lot of time sitting in front of a computer screen, are you sitting upright or slumped over? Simply adjusting the height of your screen can help achieve a better posture. That's interesting, isn't it? Don't sit there too long. If you are required required to sit, endeavour to get up and move about for a few minutes every hour. Go and get a drink of water or find any excuse to get on your feet. Standing desks, which allow you to work while standing up, are a great way to decrease your sit time. So that was number one. And number two, to finish the chapter, so number one is sit up and stand up. Number two, step up. Prioritise 30 minutes or more a day to perform moderate intensity physical activity. Remember, it doesn't need to be hard, just a 3 to 4 out of a 10 effort. Or you can break it up into three chunks of 10 minutes, as that is all it takes to give your limbo a lift. In fact, I would encourage you to do this as you can then experience several limbo lifts throughout the day. If you have a step counter, such as a pedometer or an electronic activity bracelet, another way to help you move more is to monitor your steps. Studies show that when people wear a pedometer, they will usually take an extra 2,000 or so steps each day because there is something rewarding about watching the count go up. The goal is to achieve 10,000 steps every day. If you do, you are considered to be in the active range. And number three, lift it. Try a resistance exercise routine. And yes, there are some handy tips, and he's, he gives a link in the book here to um, an easy workout at home. Um, that is a link, and I'm sure that we can. We might even have an app um, on our phone, or we might have. Um, we can definitely check out the computer, and I'm sure that if you put in. Uh, resistance exercise routine you'd probably find heaps okay so that's the end of the third chapter and the acronym um, the second word second letter in the word smilers is m and it is move dynamically all righty so now we're going to have another song when i am down and oh my soul so weary When troubles come And my heart burden be Then I am still And wait here in the silence Until you come And sit a while with me You raise me stand on mountains You raise me up to walk on stormy seas I am strong when I am on your shoulder 
of a father walking with his son and then he's lifting him up onto his shoulders and that's what God does for us. Right, so just wanted to remind you again that here at Amazing Grace we do have a couple of free giveaways. One you'll find here in the local Manawatu Takeaways, and that's this, the little magazine called Science, which has um, takeaway has articles health on health and family and issues we face in life every day. And the other book you can get by emailing us or texting, and the book is Steps to Christ. So you can contact us on or off air if you can. Get us to pray for you on or off air and um, for your family member. And you can contact us either by email or text us. The email address is info at mpr.nz and text is 
0226815216. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate. Welcome back. We um, it's, it's really glad uh, we're glad to be here, and um, thank you, Lynette. It's um, health is so important these days, isn't it? When you think of uh, COVID nineteen, and um, yeah, it's just really important to have a good immune system, and um, to have a good level of zinc too. Uh, we understand that zinc is really important. So um, I've been. Um, my part, I've been going through the book of Revelation, and uh, the book of Revelation is such a wonderful book, and it's full of uh, many frightening things, but some wonderful things. And we've been going through the um, the seven churches at this stage, working our way through, and now we're up to the the sixth church, which is a very interesting church. But I just want to um, stress again the importance of this book. And I read um, from the first um, uh, Revelation 1 verse 3, and it says, Blessed is he that reads and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. Right, So there's a blessing for reading and hearing and keeping. Now, if you and I want to understand truth, we must be willing to uh, walk in God's ways. Jesus said, if any man wills to know the truth, um, <clears throat> and if you're willing, you're willing, John 7.17 seven seventeen. Um, if you're willing to follow it, you, God will lead you into truth. Now, I just got an interesting statement from a little book I've got here. It says, where else do we find a, so direct a blessing pronounced upon the hearing, reading, and observing of any part of God's word? Surely, with this blessing in connection with the prophecies of this book, of Revelation, we ought to study them earnestly. Every passing year makes them more important. Oh, that's so true, isn't it? And every fulfillment in history makes it more urgent the need to study not only this book, but the entire volume of the Scriptures. Now, this is definitely an important book. There is no question. It's dealing with the final events of Earth's history. Now, I also, um, I've been promoting um, these little booklets going right through the book of Revelation, that which you can get, and all you've got to do is put into Google Revelation Hope, Meaning and Purpose, and you can buy it online. And um, they're written for lay people to make um, make the book of Revelation easy to be understood. Now, when you understand the symbols, um, it's really important. Now... <coughs> It, it, 
looking at the Bible um, is is really important. It shows us where we are in history, and um, and the Bible has lots of prophecies. Now, why is the Book of Revelation important? It was important in the sense that how it was written, Caesar worship was coming in, and the Christian church looked like it was going to be wiped out because everyone had to say, Caesar is Lord, burn a pinch of incense, and um, then they could go free. They could get a certificate, and they could go free. But for those who didn't, uh, many of them were put to death and tortured, and it looked like the whole church was going to be wiped out. But God is in control. Now, here we are um, at the 2,000 years later, and the Bible says that Jesus is going to come. Right, so I'm just going to read from Matthew 24, and I'm just going to read a few verses. I'm going to read from verse 3 to verse 8. And, and this is Jesus, and some of the disciples were sitting on the um, Mount of Olives, and they said to Jesus, Tell us, when will these things be? It's talking about the destruction of Jerusalem, which happened in AD 70. And he says, and they say, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Right, so there's two things here, the destruction of Jerusalem and the end of the age. Now, Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am Christ and will deceive many. So deception is going to be a big thing. And then it says, you will hear of wars and rumours of wars. See that you are not troubled. All these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. And it says, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And all the, all, um, hang on, where does it say? And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Now, in the NIV and some of the other translations say beginning of birth pains. Now, it's interesting. These things have always been in the world, but um, birth pains is like um, Lynette's had three children. I've been there every time. So you have contractions that start mild and um, far apart. And as you get closer to the birth, they're going to get more intense, and they're going to be um, more frequent. So when we look at nature, we see this happening, don't we? We see um, these disasters happening one after another. Now, the world is in the midst of this, um, uh, you know, virus, uh, pestilences. Now, that's what it means if you have a look at it. So... um, we are definitely <clears throat> moving um, in world history towards the final events. So it's interesting the next verse says, Then, then, then you will be delivered up to tribulation um, and kill you, and they will, and you will be hated by all nations for the namesake. Now, I don't believe we've got there yet, but... Um, <clears throat> We're getting close to it, I think. Now, the reason why I'm saying all this is because of this church, um, which is the sixth church. 
And I was just going to get um, my lovely wife to read it. So can you read from verse 7 down to verse 13? So this is the this is the message to the Philadelphian church, and then I'll explain a bit more about it. So we're reading Revelation 3, 7 to 13. Yes. Mm-hmm. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it, for you have a little strength. Have kept my word and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Right, thank you, um, Lynette. So this is the church, um, the the message to the Philadelphian church. Um, this is the um, the best church out of the seven. <clears throat> it's the best spiritual condition, and it means brotherly love. Now, when you study the Book of Revelation, and I would <clears throat> encourage you to have a look at this. Don't believe any man. Be what Paul said about the Bereavians. Um, the Bereavians, no, the Thessalonians were more. Um, they were more noble than the than the Bereavians because they searched the word to see if what Paul was saying was true. So, um, if you got a pen, I'd write this down now. In in Revelation, there is seven churches. And then the seven seals, and then the seven trumpets, and the seven plagues. Now, if you study each of the um, the sixth one, the sixth one. Now, what I'm saying is, and it's not my idea, that the sixth church, the sixth seal, the sixth trumpet, and the sixth plague is the final attack. Of Satan um, against God's church or against His people, 
right? Now, you have a look at it. You read it at home. You have a look at it. Now, <clears throat> the last church, the last church. Now, why do I believe that? Like I said, it's uh, Philadelphia means brotherly love, and it's the the best spiritual condition of the seven churches. Now, I've got some other reasons, but I think we should have a break. Um, If we could have a song, Lynette, that would be great. Thank Mm -hmm. you.
welcome back. Um, yeah, we're looking at this um, amazing book of the book of Revelation and uh, we're up to the sixth church and there's a lot in there to tell you. Um, but I'm saying that this church is the final church that will be upon um, upon the earth. Now, it's a picture of the final people and it's the final attack uh, upon Satan. I'm just going to give you some reasons. Now in verse um, 7 and 8 it says to the angel of the church of Philadelphia write these are the words of him who is holy and true who holds the key of David and when he opens no one can shut and what he shuts no one can open I know your deeds I see um, I have see I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Now, when you go to um, Revelation 11 or 10 11, this is under the sixth trumpet, the sixth trumpet. And when you read it, it's talking about the message Going, um, chapter 10 is talking about the gospel going to all the world. There's going to be no more delay. Um, it's going to go to the whole world, and the final movement's going to come to an end. And then in chapter 11, it talks about two witnesses, which is the witnessing church. And <clears throat> it talks about them having power to shut up heaven, have power to bring down fire. And then in verse Seven. It says, now when they had finished their testimony, the beast comes up out of the abyss and attacks them and overpowers them and kills them. Right. So remember, that's all symbolism, beast and the abyss. And um, so two witnesses and talks about the temple and prophesying, clothed in sackcloth. If you read it through, one, two, um we just read it through, but this is under the sixth trumpet, so it's dealing with the final crisis, and I believe it's talking about um, the final message going to the whole world. Now, it's interesting um, <coughs> that it says back in chapter um, 3 that God is going to give us an open door and uh, no one can shut it. So... In the world today, it is a very extremely hard in certain places to um, share the good news of Jesus, especially in the Muslim world. Uh, many places, there is about 50, 60 countries in the world where Christians are perse- persecuted. But it says that this gospel is going to go to all the world. And I believe under the power of the Holy Spirit, the latter rain which the Bible talks about, this message will go. Now, it, it says there that um, when now when they have finished their testimony, so the two witnesses, the witnessing church, um, then they're going to lose their life. That's what it says there. Don't believe everyone's going to lose their life, but um, some will. Now, it's a picture of Jesus. When Jesus was on earth, um, nothing could stop him doing his work until he got to the time of the cross. So God has a, he's going to open a door 
that this message will go to the door and none will stop. It says in Matthew 24, uh, 14, that this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world for a witness and then the end will come. Now, I just read, I was just reading an article I got, um, and um, this is what this lady said. She says, truth will be proclaimed in clear, unmistakable language. As, um, where is it down here? It says, the message means so much, um, so much to the dwellers of the earth, um, dwellers upon the earth will be heard and understood. Well, I should read a bit more. Um, it says, through the most wonderful working of divine providence, mountains of difficulties will be removed and cast into the sea. The message that means so much to the dwellers upon the earth will be heard and understood. Men will know the truth. The whole world shall have been warned and then the end shall come. So God never sends or he never allows judgments to come until the world has been warned. So nothing is going to stop this message going to the world. Now, so that's one um, sort of hint there that God's opening the door and it can't be shut until the work is done. That's just one thought there because the, the Bible clearly says the gospel will go to all the world. Now, that's one reason. Now, for another reason, um, why is this the last church? Now, in verse um, 10, if I just look at my notes, verse 10 and 11, and it says, Since you have kept the command to endure patiently, patiently, see there, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live upon the earth. And then he says, I am coming soon. Now, this is really interesting. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one take your crown. Now, <clears throat> these is going to come a test to try the whole world, right? This test is for the whole world. Now, for instance, it says... Um, because God's people have endured patiently, God is going to keep them. Now, I believe there is two tests. There's one test for everyone, which will be um, Revelation 13 and 14. So if you've got your Bibles, just go over to Revelation 13. And I'm just going to read a wee bit from verse. Uh, this is Revelation 13, verse 6, down um to verse 10 and this is what it says all to all the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast all whose names have not been written in the book of life belonging to the lamb that was slain from the creation of the world he who has an ear let him hear if anyone is to go into captivity into captivity he will go if anyone is to be killed with a sword, with the sword he will be killed. Then it says, um, this calls for patience, endurance, and faithfulness on the part of the saints. So in verses 11 <clears throat> through to the end of chapter, it talks about an image setting up a bee, um, setting up a um, mark. And everyone who's 
got to um, have this mark and um, you won't be able to buy or sell and eventually there's a death decree. Now over in verse uh, chapter 14 and verse 9 it says, And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast, his image, and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he too will drink the wine of God's fury, which has been poured out in full strength into the cup of his iniquity. And it says he will be tormented with burning soft in the presence of the holy angels and the Lamb. And it says the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. And there will be no rest, day or night, for those who worship the beast, the image, or for anyone who receives the mark of his name. And now verse 12, it says, This calls for patient endurance on the part of the saints who obey God's commandments and remain faithful to Jesus. So that's the most fearful warning in the Bible, um, the third angel's message. There's nothing more fearful in the Bible than that. And uh, fearful warning about worshipping the beast. Now, God's people, as well as those who are not God's people, are going to be tested on this false worship. There's nothing clear about that, nothing more clear about that. Now, I don't believe the test in Revelation 3 is talking about that. Now, when you have a look at um, Revelation 3 and verse 10, and verse 10, it says, those who live on the earth or the inhabitants of the earth. Well, depends on what translation you use. Now, this final test is going to come upon the whole world, and God is going to keep his people from it, those who live upon the earth. Now, that's that phrase is quite a number of times in the Bible. Now, we just read one in Revelation that said, um, all the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, who don't have their name in the book of life, right? In Revelation um, 14, verse 6, it says, I saw another angel fly in mid-air having the everlasting gospel praying to those who live on the earth. It's talking about those who are not God's people. And when you go over to Revelation um, 7, uh, 17, I should say, it says in verse 8 that the beast which you saw once was now is not, will come out of the abyss and go to destruction and the inhabitants of the earth whose names have not been written in the book of life um, from the creation of the world will be astonished when they see the beast because he he once was, now is not, yet will come. Right, so the, the test in <coughs> Revelation 3 which is a test that's coming on the whole world, um, especially those who have not got their names in the book of life. Now, the great thing is you can have your name in the book of life by receiving Jesus. God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have an everlasting life. To believe means to receive Jesus as Lord, and you can do that now. Everyone can have their name in the book of life. The choice is yours. Now, I've run out of time, unfortunately, and I haven't got to um, 
to finish that. So next time um, we'll come back and we'll talk about it. We want to talk about the test that's going to come upon the whole world and we want to share more from this because it's really important. So God bless you until we meet again. Thank you. Thank you, Dennis. Yes, we live in some challenging and interesting time. And uh, just like to say from all of us here at Amazing Grace, we pray that you will grow in grace and uh, that we will seek to have that close connection with God each day to build that relationship because only Jesus matters, okay, our relationship to him. And um, so we um, ask that you would um, bow with us now for a closing prayer. Dear God, we thank you for your amazing grace. We thank you for your hand that helps us and that we can hold on to. Thank you that you are our rock and we ask that you bless each listener and help us, each of us, Lord, to keep our eyes fixed on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh uh-huh.